Yes, I think we are live. Yes, we, I, I know we are. Yes, this is Jack Kelly with Let's Go Live with Jack Kelly and talking about the future of work. Okay, now listen, listen. So for today, this is just for people who are kind of employees who are workers. So if they're bosses and managers, who are on the call, who are watching, I don't know. You can watch, right? You can watch, but this doesn't leave us. This is just kind of between us here because what I'm going to talk about today is really important. What I'm going to go over is giving you ammunition. If you want to work remotely, if you don't want to go back to the office, if they're making you get back full-time to the office or even on a hybrid and you want to do more at home than at work, this is for you. This is, I'm going to arm you with something to talk about. So when you go to the boss, you just don't say, Hey, I want to work from home. And he, and he or she goes, why? And you're like, yeah, cause I want to. So give you some reasons. And I'm sure you have your own reasons. So you don't need, you know, you know, me to tell you everything, but you have, I'm sure you have a lot to go on to begin with, but here's, here's what I want to talk about. And this is kind of a really serious matter because it's both has to do with the future of work and work, just, just life the life-work balance, and, and some reality of what's going on. And the, the big thing that I want to, you know, that kind of sort of the elephant in the room, let's take New York City. And the reason I want to talk about New York City is I'm really familiar with the city because I grew up in Brooklyn, but not the bougie Brooklyn, what it is today. I, I was unfortunately growing up where it kind of sucked. <laughs> where it was dirty, not so great. It was a horrible commute into Manhattan. It wasn't cool. It was just really gritty, but uh, I'm not complaining. You know, I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about it. I'm not bitter that my parents didn't buy some nice brownstones in Park Slope or Brooklyn Heights or Cobble Hill when they had the chance or Red Hook when they were going for nothing. So I'm talking a long time ago. Cause I'm kind of old. So I can remember, I don't really remember as much, but you remember hearing my parents talking, particularly hearing my mom be mad at my dad for not listening to him and not buying where she used to be a teacher in Carroll gardens and buy some uh, brownstones that were probably going for like 10, 20, no exaggeration, probably $20,000. Now that probably go for, I don't know, whoever lives there, you tell me maybe 2 million, something like that. So, so I digress a little bit, but what happened, I remember when I was younger, and I don't know how much, you, you know, you, you guys ever have this. We're well, not sure if you remember it or you remember, you know, like your parents and others telling you about it. So you kind of remember the memory or you remember them saying something. I know that sounds really trippy and weird, but I think you know what I'm talking about. So I kind of remember when I was younger and my parents or the friends of my parents and my friend's parents would say, we're going into the city. And just when they said that, it was really ominous. And to give you some perspective, where I grew up, you could see the Twin Towers you know, on the horizon. So it really wasn't far, but it was like a world away. And in the 70s, early 80s, it was no bueno. It was scary. It was crime. There was corruption. Famously, the New York Post had this Ford, Gerald Ford, who was the president at the time, dropped dead to New York City because we were going to go bankrupt and we needed the help, but the federal government didn't want to help out. 
42nd Street, instead of like the Disneylandish kind of feel to it now, they had porn theaters. I'm not exaggerating. If you don't believe me, just Google it and you'll see what I'm talking about. You know, like Times Square would have, you know, basically showing portal movies in, in Times Square. You would have, um, how can I put this uh, for a family show? Ladies of the Evening hanging out by the Holland Tunnel, the Lincoln Tunnel. You couldn't go into Central Park because you had to risk being mugged. Um, and I'm saying this because it is what it is. And fast forward till now, where we're seeing in New York a really bad situation. Now, I lived in New York. I lived in Manhattan for years. So I'm not one of these people who never lived there and don't know what's happening. You know, so I both lived in Brooklyn, you know, when it wasn't so great. And New York when it's actually pretty cool. And, and, I, and, and, Cities ebb and flow, you know, sometimes they're doing great, sometimes not so much and so on. Right now, it seems that not, not the best. We'll put it this way. Governor Cuomo had to put in a state of emergency because of all the gun violence and gun deaths. So think about that for a second. Let that sink in. You have to have a state of emergency because there's so much violence that's happening right now. Now you have to commute and, and be there. There's crime, there's dr open drug uses, there's, there's homelessness, and my heart goes out to these folks. I've worked in college, during college, working with you know, different uh, homeless people and, and it's, it's a lot of them have mental health issues that aren't being taken care of. And they're on the street without any medicine, without any pills, without any, you know, help. So it's not that they're bad people. It's really sad that they're just left to their own devices, but they need the medical assistance and help. So you have this toxic combination of a lot of crime, a lot of violence, drug usage, you know, homeless people who need help, but then are kind of menacing to other people because sometimes they can't control what they're doing. Now, this might sound all politically incorrect. And so be it, but I don't mean to be that. I'm bringing this up because you're, you know, this is your life, this is your career. And if you're going back to work or your boss is telling you, you have to be in the office, I think it's only fair that you're able to communicate to them and say, hey, in addition to another, a whole host of reasons why I would rather be working remote because maybe I want the better life work balance. I spend more time with my family. I don't have that long commute so I can work, you know, more hours. I'm not exhausted, but at the same time, I have to worry if I'm going in about this, my own safety and not only the safety when it comes to what I'm talking about with, you know, open drug usage and violence and crime and all that kind of stuff, but the health safety, even under the best conditions, I don't think anyone could disagree with me. If you're on a crowded train in August when it's 110 degrees and you're crushed in like sardines and people are sweating on top of you, pushing on top of you, rubbing on top of you, it is gross to say the least. <laughs> the very least gross. But now that we went through COVID, we realized, wait, things could be much more because now we have to worry about that Delta variant, right? What is that? The Delta super scary, frightening variant that now they're saying. So you have to kind of, you know, if this was a while back, you'd be, ah, it's nothing. Now you can't say that. 
you have to you have to look at this. This could be real. Could it could it be a little bit more hype? Maybe. Could it be the media saying that to sell papers and make you watch their shows? Maybe. But I think after a year and a half of seeing what happened, we have to be we have to be reasonable and think that this could be a thing. So that if you have to go back, think about it now. If you have to go back full time, five days a week, you have to do this commute in. You have to worry about is your life going to be in danger? Is your health going to be in danger? That's a big ask from a company. If you think about it, that's a big bold ask. And you and I bet you a lot of times the managers who are saying that live in some posh place in Manhattan and they don't have to really commute. They can get in an Uber, go whatever blocks, they're at the office. You know, for the big shots, for the CEOs and the executives, they they have their drivers. They don't step foot outside. They don't have to worry about. It. They have their drivers and protection take them to and from home, to and from their restaurants. So they don't worry. They don't. They don't have to experience what the average regular person has to experience. And they, and if they don't listen to you and understand, you have to really think: Does my boss care about me? Does my manager really have any empathy whatsoever? Because if you're going to ignore this, that's a that's a tell sign. Because it's not me saying it. First of all, take a look, and I'll put in, in the comments um, uh, my Forbes article talking about it. I have about a dozen plus people giving quotes about how, you know, how dangerous, afraid they are, how worried they are, how uncomfortable it is to get on the trains, the fear of the trains, giving stories about what happened to them or what happened to their friends. So this is real stuff. And don't just take me, you know, my word on it at all. Take this, you know, you could take it one data point to, to consider, but, you know, do your research yourself and you'll see what I'm talking about. And, and the reason I'm so passionate about it, because I think this is the kind of issue that really sets the, the divider between whether a manager or supervisor will listen to you and hear you and try to make accommodations or they blow you off and they blow you off. These are really serious stuff. And I'm not, I swear, I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I'm not trying to be over the top guy, but these are things I think generally we don't want to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to talk about. You know, if you live in New York, you want to be, yeah, New York, come on. New York is gritty. That's how it should be. Well, yeah, kind of, but you know, spending most of my, you know, whole life. You know, in the tri-state, in New York, the tri-state area, in one of the bar, in, you know, in, in, in Brooklyn, which is a borough of New York for people who aren't really familiar with the city. Um, yeah, this is something you have to take, you can't take for granted. This is a serious issue that you have to really be careful about. And you'd want your bosses, your managers to be empathetic and understanding and work with you on it. Now, it doesn't mean that you have to be afraid and go in wearing a bubble and, um, you know, one of those big bubbles and you roll in, <laughs> you know, on the train, everything being protected and come in, you know, with your own arsenal. No, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going that direction. But it's more of kind of this wedge issue that you bring up and you can really force the conversation to see how much your boss really cares. Because your boss always say, oh, I care. You know, you know, you always hear these things from management. Oh, our people are a must important, you know things in the company. And yeah, we really cherish them and they're so important. All right. So if we're so important and I'm telling you that we're worried about something, what are you going to do? How are you going to deal with it? Are you going to deal with it? Now, 
Let me give you another thing that you have to be careful about. You've probably, you must have seen all these videos. And if not, uh, I have, I think Christine posted them in the chats to, to this, this uh, LinkedIn Live about, you know, during, when there was a storm, fuck, I was Elsa, was that the storm? Storm, whatever, storm, like whatever name, storm. And, and it was really bad. And there's so many videos of people. And this is heartbreaking, especially this one, you know, video of this, you know, looks, look kind of older woman trying to go home from work and going and having to wade waist deep into waters because in the subways, it just came pouring in. Now think about that. After a long day of work, right? You're commuting, you're waking up 5.30, 6.30 in the morning, taking the train, taking the bus, commuting into Manhattan, which probably takes, you know, an hour, an hour and a half <clears throat> on a good day. Then you come home, you're, you know, day's over, it's storming, you have your umbrella, and this always happens in Manhattan, you have your umbrella, and then boosh, it blows it the opposite way. So now you have an umbrella that's inverted. So you're standing there, instead of it helping you, it's upside down, and now it's collecting all the water like a pool. And then you finally like, oh, this doesn't work and you throw it out and, and then you walk and you're drenched and nothing is worse than walking and drenched and your shoes are squeaking, you know, that sloshy sound as you step with your, your socks all wet. And as buses and cars go by, they spray you because they hit the puddles because there's puddles all over the place and then you get drenched. It's so demeaning. It's so dehumanizing. It's terrible. Now you're cold and shivering and it's pouring and you finally think, okay, I'm gonna get on the train and I'm almost there. No. So, so, so now you got to wade through dirty water to get on the train. And check out these videos. I'm not exaggerating at all. If anything, I'm underplaying it. So then you got to go home, just enough time to have dinner, go to sleep, and then start the day all over again. If you think about it, that's not a life. Seriously, that's crazy. Now, I did that for like 20, 30 years because that's what you were supposed to do. I didn't know any better, I was stupid. I followed what you were supposed to do, the handbook of, yeah, you get a job, you get a job in Manhattan, you commute in or you live there and pay exorbitant rents, you know, you, this way you make a nice living and just that whole kind of thing that you buy into. And then with COVID and the pandemic, you realize, wait, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be where you have to schlep into to a city, be in a cubicle farm, stay under those fluorescent lights for 10 hours a day, and then commute back and then do it again. And then again and again, the pandemic showed Microsoft, Salesforce, Spotify, you can go on and on. They just killed it during the pandemic. They did phenomenally well. And this is with everybody working remotely. So it shows it works. This is not like, hey, let's try it out. This works. So if it worked then, why would management say, well, now you have to earn the right to work remote? Well, a year and a half wasn't earning the right to work remote. A, a year and a half where we helped you guys make record profits and do phenomenally well and 
guys like Jeff Bezos are worth a kajillion billion dollars and just go into space. They're so rich, they don't even know what to do with the money. They're so wealthy that they're just flying themselves. You know, Richard Branson, Elon Musk, you know, Bezos, well, I'm going to just fly in space and maybe I'm going to, I'm going to buy Mars and maybe I'm going to buy Jupiter and just settle there with a big mansion. I mean, it's just nuts. So that we did all the work, put all the time in, these companies became very successful. The CEOs, the executives, the big shareholders became super ridiculously wealthy. This is going to probably be like the, the more than the robber baron age in terms of how the wealth inequality and wealth distribution. And, and trust me, what I'm saying is I'm not a woke guy. I'm not a conservative guy. I'm, I, I consider myself apolitical. I, I, don't, I don't have any political affiliations whatsoever. So I'm, I have the luxury that I could look at each issue and just look at it you know, from a common sense point of view without feeling I'm part of a tribe and have to represent that tribe. And maybe you guys should try that. It's so liberating because you could just look at things and say how you feel about it. Um, so in this case, how can on one hand they say we were super successful and did really well? Not they have to say it, but you see the results are there. Stock market is the highest ever. Real estate market is blazing hot. Record, record stock prices for so many companies. And then now they're going to say, hmm, I don't know if you could work, you know, maybe two days, maybe one day, maybe no days. Now, to be fair, some people, some people want to go to the office and I can't blame them. Like, for instance, for my kids, when they graduate from college, I would strongly suggest that they go into the office. I would say they go into the office you know, maybe five days a week if they can, or, for, or at very least four or three, because for them, it's important to socialize, to build up your network, to meet new people, to get in front of the managers and senior executives, to kind of learn how all this is. And then also after a year and a half of being home or having school classes online, you just want to get back into the swim of things. You don't want to spend another year and a half because I, I got a feeling that's not going to bode well for people in the future who spend too much time working at home because I think it's gonna be then hard to reacclimate. So I would say for, for I just for my own kids, I would advise them go in. And now you can think, wow, I'm such a hypocrite because I just said for you guys <laughs> to say not to go in. But I, I wanna show that I'm fair, you know, that it's, uh, you can't make one blanket statement for everybody. Everyone's different. Everyone has their own needs. Everyone is in their own, you know, position of what, you know, what's right for them. Now they, now, this is me saying I would suggest it. It doesn't mean they're going to listen to me. Anyone who has kids knows just because you say it, they don't mean <laughs> doesn't mean your kids are going to do it. Sometimes you say something, they'll do the opposite. But I think for some people, being in makes a lot of sense. You know, it helps and deal with it. Now, I would probably suggest if they do that to get an apartment closer to where they are so they don't have that horrible commute. But then also I have to worry about them in terms of, you know, the crime, the drug usage, all that kind of stuff, which is apparent is scary. Is frightening. And, you know, when they get a certain age, you can't go, you know, kicking their hand. It's okay when they're in kindergarten, but not so much when they go to their first day at work and taking them by the hand and coming in, walking them into the office. That's not really a good look. I don't, I don't, I don't think they would feel comfortable with it either. But yeah, but you got to figure out now. So not only are we talking about the dangerous apps aspect, not only talking about the health risks when you're squished together because 
I don't know if you realize this, but during the pandemic, you know, this, New York City, as well as other big cities had to cut costs. So they let, let go a lot of people and let go a lot of people who, who worked in mass transit. And for the obvious reasons, people weren't taking it because everyone's at home, not going to work. They let go of a lot of people. So that means the trains are not in the best shape. Um, there's not enough police officers, not enough tra uh, transit agents and people to help you. So it's not a perfect system. So you think the chances are what's going to happen. They're going to run late. They're going to break down a lot. They're going to be overly crowded. So they're overly crowded and it's August and we're, we're shade away from August and you're going to get these hot, muggy, sweltering days and you're breathing on top of people all over you. Do you think that's better for your health or worse for your health? Do you think you're more likely to attract or contract COVID or some other disease or some other thing or less if you're at home and not doing that? I know it's a rhetorical question because, but if you could just visualize it, if, if people haven't been on a New York subway, I invite you to try it out in the middle of August in a crowded day. And you can see what I'm talking about. You go, then you'd be like, Jack, oh my God, I thought you were exaggerating. It's even worse than you said. <laughs> this is terrible. And again, just so you know, I love New York City. I, I you know, I, it's, it's great. I think probably what we're going to do is when my, when my kids graduate and get jobs, my wife and I are probably going to go back to Manhattan and live there. So I'm not one of these people like, oh, it's dead. It's never coming back. Not at all. You know, some of the best times when I lived there, it was fantastic. You get home from work and it wasn't really much of a commute because I was pretty close. You go out to a different cool restaurant every day. It's amazing. It's fantastic. So I'm not one of these negative doomsayers. I'm just a realist. And looking at this particular snapshot in time. Now, a year later, six, even six months later, could be a big difference. Let's say three months later, six months later, most of these companies have people coming back in, whether a, a large percentage or a certain percentage enough that there are people on the streets, there's things going on, there's you know more police officers, the more restaurants are open, there's more of a vibe. And then that happens, more people get you know, attracted to it and say, oh, all right, I was a little worried, but things look good. So I'm gonna go in now, I'm gonna go in there for dinner, I'm gonna go into a play, I'm gonna go meet people. And all of a sudden, before you know, it turns around. So it could easily do that. It could easily do that within the next three months, particularly because a lot of companies are waiting for September to come back. So by September, October, November, December, yeah, it could be really cool. It could be cool. By the time you get to the holidays of next year, it could be amazing. However, what if it doesn't? That's my, my big point. What if it doesn't? You don't want to be in that space for the next three months where you're the guinea pig going on there, going in there and seeing how it is because you're taking a risk. Now, if you want to get out of your house, you're tired of being in your house, you're going stir crazy like I am, and maybe that's one of the reasons why I do these like lies <laughs> to talk to some people, <laughs> although it's, I'm really kind of talking to myself, but you want to get out of your house. You want to explore, you want to see something different. You want new, different kind of people around you. So sure, it makes sense that you want to, you know, you want to do it. So there are some people who, yeah, really want to do it. That's great. But this, like, as I mentioned at the beginning of the conversation, this is primarily for the people who are saying, hey, I really do want to be home. And it could be for whatever private reasons, you know, they have a sick relative, 
they had COVID and they're freaked out. They don't want to get it again. A loved one in the family had it and you don't want to give it to them again. Uh, it could be that you, you just found that you had a better relationship, you know, with your spouse, your partner, with your kids. And then you realize, wow, I don't want to give this up. It works so well. It was so awesome. You know, I finally bonded with them. You know, this is great. And I don't want to lose that again. You know, maybe you came up with new hobbies. You know, maybe you took up tennis or what have you. And now you're going to have to stop. So there are a lot of reasons why, you know, you could say, hey, I was super successful working at home. In fact, the studies show people put more hours in working at home than they did pre-COVID. And that's because partly people felt the pressure that they had to do this to keep their jobs. Others, like myself, I didn't have much else to do. I live in New Jersey now, and we're pretty much we're on lockdown most of the time. So I didn't have that much. So what did I do? I pretty much worked because I tried to be safe. I didn't want to get, I had COVID. I don't want to have it again. I don't want to give it to somebody. So I was pretty careful for the most part. And yeah, so I ended up working way more hours than ever because not that I'm this hustle porn workaholic guy, but I didn't really have much else to do. So most people did do a whole lot of work at home. So most people when they're home, you know, against what the narrative of management thought would happen where they would goof off, they actually worked hard and harder and put in more hours. So the chances are if someone's going to be remote, they've proven that they're going to work hard and put in long hours and work nights and weekends and not even really complain that much about it because they know they didn't have much else to do. And even though we're kind of at the waning stage of the pandemic, people are still acting. Now, some are just out partying. That's cool. Some are still a little concerned and still acting as if it's, you know, it's serious so that they're not gallivanting around. So for bosses who think that they're going to just be, you know, goofing off, I think they're sadly mistaken. People have worked much harder, much more productive and added a lot of value. So here's what I would suggest. So this is, as I mentioned, this is for people who feel, hey, I do want to work remotely. Um, I need some extra arguments to bring up to my boss, to my supervisors, to, to kind of persuade them to let me either work exclusively remote or partly. And a lot of the things for remote work has been out there, except for this piece that I'm talking about now. This is why this is this is this is like the serious kind of thing to bring in. You know, if nothing else works or everything else fails, you know, when you bring this in, if you can't sway them on on that, then that's really, uh, you know what, if they disregard your concerns about your safety, your health safety, your your physical safety, your emotional well-being, then you might be in the wrong place. Um, now, the thing is, when you bring it up, you don't, you know, you want to make sure you're saying it and you believe it. If you don't believe it, then then don't say this. You know, if you think, yeah, Jack, you're crazy. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what movie you're watching. It's not my neighborhood. And you know what? That's fine. Because New York, you know, as I know very well, it's, it's very different in very different neighborhoods. It's not one size fits all. That's what's so fun about New York. You can go, you know, a few blocks in one direction. You could go and take an Uber for a little bit. And, and it's like a different world, a different vibe. So yeah, it's not the same experience for everybody. But if you do feel those concerns, I think it's legitimate. I think it makes sense to bring up, to talk about, and be very telling how they respond. And in fact, if you don't mind, let me know 
if you do speak to them, how, I'll be really curious what they say, what they do. Do they listen? Do they not listen? I'd be really, really interested in seeing how it plays out. And, and then I could share it in, in a follow-up LinkedIn live with, with, with what the results are. So this is Jack Kelly. I know this is kind of a serious matter. I tried to make it a little light um, and it's important. And I think if you do something, you have to understand the risks entailed. In, in and I'm a big believer. And as a recruiter, I always do this. I rather overemphasize the downsides, downsides, what could go wrong, you know, what could really go terribly wrong. Because once you know that, then you're like, okay, this is my worst case scenario. And then you can make a decision for it, as opposed to blowing it off and say, nah, and you just look at the positive, because then you're not mentally prepared for what could go wrong. I'm always a big believer. You want to know what bad things could happen. Now, maybe that's a weird way to go through life, but I think that's and I've learned this a lot from the people that I recruited for compliance people, risk people, audit people. I think it's a healthy mindset to see, you know, when you do something, you want to weigh the risks versus rewards. And if the risks are far greater than the rewards, you got to pay attention to it and not blow it up. If it's, you know, and then if there are others, you got to figure out what's the right equilibrium. As I mentioned with my kids, I might suggest them to go in. So I might weigh, you know, I might change the weight of it. But then to be very fair, as it gets closer, it's easy to say, it's easy to say things when you're not there, when you're a little farther away, then when they're doing it, I wonder if I'm going to change my mind and have cold feet and say, well, maybe don't go in, maybe, or maybe things like I mentioned will get much better. And then you're like, of course, go in this. It seems awesome now. Everything is open. Everything is rocking. Everything is great. You know, you have so many people in the streets. It's safe. So, so I hope, I hope this kind of helps. And I think this kind of information you don't hear about too often. And I think that's kind of some of the value I bring to the table. I hope you found it interesting, whether you agree or disagree, but gives you food for thought. And as I mentioned, let me know how it works out. So this is Jack Kelly. Jack Kelly, let's go live with Jack Kelly and, uh, and talk about the future of work. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Bye-bye.